When the lawless one is revealed, he's going to deceive the world with false signs and wonders and proclaim himself to be God. But he doesn't even hold a candle to the one true God who is just going to him out with a breath of his mouth when we understand the text. This is when we understand the text, studying God's Word to reach all the riches of full assurance in Christ. Thank you for subscribing, and if this has ministered to you, please let others know about our program. Here once again is Pastor Gabe Hughes. Thank you, Becky. We continue our study of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, talking about the great apostasy and the man of lawlessness as we looked at yesterday, and we'll continue on from there. I'll begin again in verse 1, reading through verse 12. Paul says, Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So yesterday we were talking about the rebellion, the man of lawlessness being revealed, the son of destruction who exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship. It's it's not merely enough that a person would worship a false God. They have to worship the Antichrist. That is the way that he asserts himself so that he takes his seat in the temple of God. He would proclaim himself as preeminent, not God, but he is the one who is above all things. Do you not remember, Paul says, this is verse 5, so here we are picking up where I left off yesterday. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? So once again, when we were back in 1 Thessalonians chapters 4 and 5, I said that there are some who teach that Paul was bringing a new revelation that had not yet been talked about either by Christ or by the apostles in their ministry. But as I pointed out when we were in those chapters Uh, This had been taught before. Paul wasn't delivering a new revelation. He was just telling the Thessalonians things that he didn't have the chance to tell them when he was with them. But what we're reading about here is something that Paul has told the Thessalonians before, even saying, don't you remember that when I was with you, I told you these things previously in first Thessalonians five, he said, I don't have to tell you about the times and seasons because you already know. But then when somebody led them astray by telling them, well, leading them astray kind of in a loose sense, it doesn't seem to be that the Thessalonians have lost faith 
or there are people falling away from Christ. That doesn't seem to be the case, but rather they've been shaken in mind uh, by this message that has come from a deceiver telling them that the day of the Lord has already happened. So Paul is going, "Okay, well, I guess I did need to remind you about some of the things that you're looking for or that you will see rather before the day of the Lord comes. So don't you remember that when I was with you, I told you these things and you know what is restraining him now, the lawless one talking about the lawless one again, you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. So yesterday I mentioned that I don't know. I don't know what the apostasy is. I don't know who it relates to, whether we're talking about an apostasy in the church or we're talking about just the the general rebellion of mankind getting worse and worse leading up to the day of Christ. Maybe that's what the rebellion is in reference to. I don't know who the lawless one is. I'm pretty comfortable saying it's the Antichrist. (laughs) Uh, But some of the things related to who that is and what we will see, I don't know what that means. I'm, I'm with Augustine. When Augustine was reviewing these passages and saying, I don't know what they mean. What this does say to me, though, is that there are other things that are going to happen prior to Christ's return, and we need to be careful. We need to be careful not to fall away. We need to be careful not to be led astray by any false teacher performing great signs and wonders. Those things will happen prior to Christ's return. And then Paul says that that there is a restrainer. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. I don't know what that means either. I don't know who this restrainer is. And there are different theories about who that restrainer is. One of which is that the restrainer is the archangel Michael. So you have the reference in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, where he says, At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal up the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. And all these things look very familiar. We see them stated in other places, except for that reference there in verse one, where it says, at that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge over your people, and there shall be a time of trouble. So it appears there that Michael is the one who is restraining the man of lawlessness. Michael, who is the archangel is preventing the mystery of lawlessness from uh, culminating in this personification of the son of destruction, the Antichrist himself. So Michael is restraining that from happening until the proper time. And then God will say, okay, it's time. And Michael will kind of get out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed. Only he who restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. That's a theory. I'm not saying that is actually the... Uh, the explanation of this particular passage, but I like that one. There's another theory that the Holy Spirit is the one who is restraining the man of lawlessness. And when the church is raptured 
and the Holy Spirit leaves with all the saints who go up to be with the Lord, then the Spirit's out of the way and the man of lawlessness is he reveals himself and he's able to kind of run amok because the spirit isn't here to stop him. That's reading into the text, though, because we don't see that being the case at all. And clearly the way that Paul is talking about this, he's warning Christians about something that is going to happen prior to the coming of Christ, not the coming of Christ. And then the lawless one is going to be revealed. That's not the sequence of events that we have going on here. So there is a restrainer that is keeping the lawless one from doing his thing right now, even though the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. I mean, we can observe that in the world. You People are evil. Okay. You feel the mystery of lawlessness every time you're tempted with something and you want to give into that temptation and you want to sin. That's the mystery of lawlessness at work in your members. As long as we inhabit this flesh, we are constantly going to be battling against the temptations of the flesh. Uh, the world bombarding us with all of its different philosophies and ideas, attempting to woo us away from the things of God and instead follow after the path of the devil. This is the spirit that is at work in the sons of disobedience that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 2, the prince of the power of the air. This is the mystery of lawlessness at work all around us. But but it's not yet lawlessness personified. And that's what the Antichrist really represents. He is he is the man of lawlessness, demanding the worship of all people that he would uh, exalt himself above all other things in this world, claiming to be God, proclaiming himself to be God. So when the restrainer is out of the way, the lawless one is revealed and this is the one whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth. So again, verse eight, the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will. He'll just do that and he's gone. <laughs> I mean, that's that's how much power Christ has over this guy. So, yeah, he's going to come with great signs and wonders and he's going to deceive a lot of people and he's even going to proclaim himself to be God. But when compared with God, he's nothing. Once Christ comes, it, this guy's not going to be able to stand. He will be destroyed by Christ with the breath of his mouth. And that's the illustration that Paul is giving there of, of just the glory and the righteousness of Christ. Remember that he, he shows his might and power in chapter 1, where it, he talks about him coming from heaven with mighty angels and flaming fire inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. But we who have believed in the gospel will behold the glory of his might and we will marvel among those who have believed. So, so Paul gives a very glorious image of Christ in chapter one, and he comes back to it again here, even in chapter two. The glory of God is so great that this powerful lawless one will not be able to stand against him. He will be wiped out with the breath of his mouth, brought to nothing by the appearance of his coming. Verse nine, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. Kind of talked about that already. I was working ahead a little bit there. Verse 10, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. So these are people who are walking in sin. They are believing the lie 
and the condition of their heart to go after Satan is exposed all the more when the lawless one is revealed. Why is it that they are so easily deceived in walking after Satan once he comes with all deception and false signs and wonders? Well, because that was the condition of their heart anyway. They had the mystery of lawlessness at work in themselves. So, of course, they're going to follow after the devil because their father is the devil. That's what Jesus says uh, in John chapter 8. And your, your desire is to do what your father did. He was a murderer from the very beginning, Jesus says. I read to you from Revelation 13 yesterday, but I only went as far as verse 9. Let me keep going from there. Uh, well, let me. I'll read verse 9 again, where John says, If anyone has an ear, let him hear. That's where I stopped. And then he goes on. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword he must be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. And that's what Paul is doing here with the Thessalonians. He's calling for them to endure. Do not be led astray into apostasy. Do not fall away from the faith that was delivered to you and that you believed in. That's, that's his warning about the rebellion, about the great apostasy. Do not be led astray by the lawless one with all of his false signs and wonders. These things must happen prior to the coming of Christ. That's what Paul is warning about. So this is a call for the endurance and the faith of the saints, just as John says here. Now, verse 11. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. And by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on the earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Also, it causes all both great and both rich, uh, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for it is the number of a man and his number is six, six, six. Now I stated to you earlier that I am not a preterist. I am not a person who believes that all of these things have already taken place and were fulfilled with the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. However, I do believe based on study that I've conducted on this passage related to the mark of the beast in, in Revelation 13. This is talking about Nero. Nero is the, the one whose number was calculated to be 666. However, just because it, it is Nero that John references, and, and I don't even necessarily believe that the book of Revelation was written prior to 70 AD, could very well have been written after, and yet this reference is still to Nero. Why is that significant? Well, because Nero was just a very, very evil emperor and he did awful, awful things. And so John is using Nero, but not using his name because he doesn't mean for an understanding of the beast to be limited to Nero. But Nero's name has been numbered as the number of man, and that is 666. 
which is the number of imperfection. It's also a trio of sixes. So it's a false trinity. Whereas God is the holy trinity, you have the beast and the beast and the dragon, which present a false trinity. And so then you have the number of that beast, which is 666. So like three man numbers uh, that make up this, this mark of the beast. So Nero is this evil personified, but he is not... He's not like the final Antichrist or the one necessarily that is being spoken about in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. John says many Antichrists have come. And so Nero is just a type. He is a type of an Antichrist. And so many Antichrists have come. The Pope is an Antichrist. I believe even our own president is an Antichrist. Vladimir Putin is an Antichrist. And we need to be careful not to be led astray by the lawlessness of lawless Men, hold fast to the true word that has been taught to us. Pray, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Be looking for his sign in the heavens, which all the world will see the coming of Christ. And there will be no mystery as to what it is that has just happened. People are not going to vanish. The people left behind are looking around going, well, where did where did the people mysteriously disappear to? We will see Christ in his heavens coming with his army, his angels in flaming fire, as we have talked about in Second Thessalonians chapter one. Now, before I leave Revelation 13, I got about three minutes left here to finish up uh, this lesson. But I wanted to say something about the mark of the beast because this it's caused a lot of confusion. In fact, uh, one of the more controversial chapters that's happened with John MacArthur in recent years <laughs> is when he was asked if a person receives the mark of the beast, can they still repent? And I, and I think that we even ask those kinds of questions because we don't really quite understand what is being meant here by this mark. This goes all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter six. Where the Lord says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. When you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you will show that you love him by the things that you do and the thoughts that you think. That is what is meant by bind them on your hand and let them be as frontlets between your eyes. And so when John makes this reference in Revelation 13 to the mark of the beast, this is saying that those who follow the beast do the things that the beast does. They show by the works of their hands and the thoughts that they think that they are followers of the devil. That is the reference. So anybody who follows after Satan instead of following Christ has the mark of the beast already. The beast's mark is seen in the work that they do and in the things that they think. And so consider then what Paul says again in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 
The lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. They thought with their minds the ways of the beast. They did with their hands the unrighteousness of the beast. And remember also what we read yesterday, Revelation 13, verses 7 and 8. The beast was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. Those who are in Christ are sealed by his spirit. Those who are not in Christ are sealed with the mark of the beast. And all those who followed the beast and worshiped it are those whose names were not written in the book of the life. Book of, I did that again, just like I did yesterday. The book of life of the Lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. So God sends a strong delusion so that they might be exposed and destroyed who were predestined to be destroyed for their wickedness. So you have heard these warnings. Therefore, take guard over your heart that you will not be led astray by any false signs and wonders or anyone who would proclaim themselves to be as great as God. We must look to our Savior fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. A day is going to come when he will return, bringing his kingdom with him, and all will see him in the air, and he will wipe out the lawless one with the breath of his mouth. All evil will be no more by the appearance of Christ. And then we will dwell with him forever in glory. Those who believed upon his name turned from their sin and did the things that Christ commanded us to do rather than doing the things that the beast did. Amen. Amen. Glory (laughs) that we have these promises that have been given to us in this word. We cling to and hold fast to and know that our deliverance will come and evil will be put to an end. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for these words that we have read today, and I pray that they would continue to enliven our hearts all the more, overjoyed and overwhelmed by the uh, the love and mercy and grace that you have shown us through our Lord Jesus Christ, that we would not be wiped out with the devil and his angels, but instead we would reign with Christ forever in glory. Once we were rebels of the kingdom And then we become fellow heirs of the kingdom, sealed by the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. So, Lord, we we ask for that day to come soon. We ask that the full number of your saints would be realized, that we would be faithful to take the gospel of Christ to the world so that those who have been written in the Lamb's book of life would turn from their sin. They would believe the gospel and so be saved. You mean for us to be the instruments that you have chosen to take your gospel to the world. And so let us do so, sharing the gospel with our friends, our family members, co-workers, people that we are close to, that we encounter on a regular basis, and, and even strangers that we might meet. 
Give us an opportunity to preach the gospel so that lives would be saved from the coming judgment. We ask that you forgive us our sins and lead us in righteousness for your name's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to When We Understand the Text with Pastor Gabe Hughes. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, Gabe will be going through a New Testament study. Then on Thursday, we look at an Old Testament book. On Friday, we take questions from the listeners and viewers. Tomorrow, we'll pick up on an Old Testament study, When We Understand the Text.